Good morning, everyone. Good morning. Are you awake? Good morning. <laughs> you sound like I feel right now, Chuck, like I'm just waking up. <laughs> I know I get up at eight o'clock and I do this uh, this other uh, session with uh, a group of coaches and it's like eight o'clock in the morning. I have to get up uh -huh. at seven thirty. I'm just struggling to wake myself up. <laughs> <laughs> Good morning, everyone. Good morning. It's starting to feel like fall. Yeah, Chuck, it's going to be like in the 90s again here, so we're oh, we're, it's, oh. we're taking a break from fall, apparently. We decided we're done <laughs> after two days. <laughs> yeah, a little confusion there on the on the weather. Yeah, it was right great when it was like, weather alert, it's going to be excessively hot. I'm like, fantastic, <laughs> that sounds great. <laughs> I know, I'm ready for it to not be hot. <sighs> yes, I agree. All right. Okay, well, it is nine thirty, so let's go ahead and get the get the cl clubhouse open up here. I just got some messages out uh, to uh, some folks there. Please feel free to share the clubhouse with your followers, and so we can get some good people in here to hear this great content today. So, welcome everyone to the Lead, uh, Learning to Lead Clubhouse. So, we meet every Saturday morning at 9.30 to 10.30 Pacific Standard Time. And I'm Tamara White, and I'm here with Kelly White. And we're your hosts, along with our great moderators, Chuck Mounts Jr. and also Alexis Stern. And um, this is a clubhouse that we create as a forum to really talk about all things leadership. Um, we've got, we have a real diverse group of leaders that join us every Saturday that bring a real broad diversity of experience and perspective. Um, so whether you're a seasoned leader uh, or a, a, an entry-level leader, um, this is a forum where you can really learn from and support each other uh, on our as we go along on our leadership journey. We have really great discussions. We like to bring really challenging, uh, um, thought-provoking content um, outside of even some of the foundational things with leadership. And so we hope you really enjoy it. So um, I just want to welcome everybody who's on the stage and also those that are in the, the uh, listening lounge. And I also encourage you to follow the, the clubhouse and also follow others in the room as you would grow, be able to grow your network with other like-minded leaders. Um, and if you like this content, like I said, share the room. And also there's several ways you can communicate with us. Um, you can DM us, Instagram, also our Substack website, but I really wanna um, point out the chat feature here. So if for some reason you're in the listening lounge and you really can't participate actively on stage, you know, go ahead and, and make some comments in the chat. Our moderators are, are gonna be looking at that and they'll bring it forward if uh, you have something that you'd like to share with folks. 
Um, and then I also wanna just uh, let you know about our Substack website. That's where we uh, post a re the recordings of all of these sessions, as well as um, we summarize the content on LinkedIn as well. So we encourage you to go out there and subscribe to the Substack website. So you're gonna always be um, notified of when we're putting stuff out. So once again, thanks everyone for being here on a Saturday morning and investing in yourself and investing in others here in the room. And I'm gonna yield the mic to Kelly. Thank you, and great to see everyone here today, be it morning or afternoon. Um, we're going to jump in, and what I like to remind, and for those who are, you know, have regulars who have been here before, but those who might be listening um, on a replay, we love to remind ourselves always that a big part of leadership and developing your leadership is really practicing self-awareness. And this is something that we have to continually do. It's not a once, uh, once in a you know lifetime exercise. It can kind of something that's a really good habit to build, be it a regular journaling habit, or again what we do today, which is just maybe one word that's a check-in. How did your week go? And trying to keep track of that and see where you see themes arising, where you see maybe valleys that you might be in or peaks that you might have achieved, so that we really can start to look back and better understand our own growth. And especially as we talk about you know, what we want to achieve going forward, but also equally a big part of this forum is teaching others and investing in the teams around us, be it direct or indirect, and really teaching them as well how to practice self-awareness and remember to tell our stories, not only through this, the lens of successes, but also through the lens of challenges maybe, and again, those valleys that we might find ourselves in. So with that, I would love to round table with everyone and just hear how your week went in one word. And again, for those in the chat, if you want to you know, communicate your word there, please feel free to share your word of the week. And with that, I'm going to start with Chuck. I'm going to go with Energize. I think um, I'm still um, feeling a lot of energy uh, from last week. I had a, a couple of in-person events, um, including helping provide support for a conference. And it was just um, a terrific experience. I think I'm still... Yeah, feeling those vibes. Fantastic, great to hear. I'm Rita, good morning. Hey, um, good morning. I'll, I'll say my word of the week um, was calm. The, <laughs> uh, it was calmness and uh, I think it's just calmness before the storm next week. We have a lot of uh, good meetings coming up with some leaders who are traveling from different countries. So it will be great. I'm just looking forward to it. Um, but last week was just calm. <laughs> great to hear and I'll look forward to hearing how your, your upcoming week goes when we hopefully speak to you again uh, in, our, in our next week's session. Alexis. Okay, I'm going with productive um, and Tamara can chime in on this. So I spent most of this week after my move figuring out how to build furniture. Um, and so I feel very, very accomplished um, and also never want to do it again. <laughs> yeah, I think we can all relate to that. Sometimes it's really easy and it's the, the ever-present joke of, of Ikea furniture and uh, sometimes the puzzle in and of itself. Courtney, good to have you here. Good morning. Good morning. Um, well, I'm going to go with excited and it, it like falls into next week. So I'm flying down to LA, Kelly. I'll be in your 90 degree weather going to the Taylor Hawkins tribute show on Tuesday. So I am thrilled. Mako knows how much I love the Foo Fighters. So I am like prepping for my trip and super excited. Awesome group. 
Fantastic. Great to hear. And I'm sure it'll be an amazing tribute. Mako. Uh-oh, Mako, we can't hear you. We had a sound, maybe. We still can't hear you, though, so I'm not sure what's going on with your headphones. Okay, we're going to come back. I'll go to oh. Tamsin and then make a let us know when you get you back. So my word is going to be positivity. Um, I had an in-person event at one of our fulfillment centers on Wednesday, and it was really great to meet people, people that I've known from Zoom only until that time, and people I haven't seen in over three years in person. So, And then I was also on the virtual Grace Hopper, so it was, it was a really positive week for me. That is so great to hear. Yes, and my feed is filled with, with Grace Hopper news, and I love to see that involvement across the board. It's a great event. Mako, did hey, we get can, you back? Can you hear me? Yes, we can. You know, it's so funny because actually my word of the week was going to be AirPods 2, uh, AirPods Pro 2, especially because Val's on here. But since I had microphone problems, I have nothing to say now. <laughs> uh, yeah, it's uh, test and learn. All right. With that note, Valerie, it's a segue over to you. How's your word of the week? (laughs) (laughs) Right. Mako, Mako. Um, Hey, good to see everyone. I know it's been quite a while since I've joined with crazy schedules. I've also, I I so appreciate the emails and the replays because I have been keeping up just so that you know, Um, but I had time today and happy to be here. My word of the week is change. So um, we're right in between old fiscal year, new fiscal year, and all of you who have been part of that, I think that's true for you probably as well, Kelly. Um, there's a lot of planning that goes into this. There's a lot of announcements made at the end of the year. There's lots of success, but here at Apple, we always move on quickly. And um, so it's transition. It's you know new teams, fresh start. So uh, I'm also excited, but I think change is a single word. Um, I actually embrace and love change. Um, so so yeah, change is, change and excitement for me. Fantastic. Great to hear. Yes. And I think we can all relate. And a great point that I just made a note of, you know, reminding ourselves to spend some time talking about what that end of year process feels like, both fiscally for what we have to do for a lot of the work that we do, but also those reminders of both for ourselves, the goals that we set for ourselves, how do things go, as well as for our team. So great reminder. And yes, embracing change as we complete a lot of different cycles and move on to the next. Gary, good morning. Good morning. Um, can you hear me? Because I'm trying my AirPod Pros too for the first Sound time great. as well. Yeah. Um, so I think my word of the week, I was trying to look for something positive, but I'm just tired this week. It's been a hectic, tiring week. I can absolutely relate with that. I think a lot of us have been feeling tired. It's been very, very busy, but you know, it is what it is. You capture the moment. And in this moment, it's just hopefully you can get some rest this weekend and spend some time relaxing and rejuvenating ahead of the next, the next week. Exactly. Tamara. Um, yeah. And I can relate to that, Gary. I feel the same way. Um, this week, uh, I would say my word would be innovation. I've had some really great um, opportunities to do some brainstorming and working on some really exciting projects that are coming up. So um, feeling really inspired and motivated to move forward into the, into the coming year. Great to hear. And, I'll close this out with saying that I think I was thinking of what word to choose for this week. I could use a lot of the words that y'all have already shared. I'm going to use the word intense. Um, I'm working on some really big projects as I've kind of referenced the last couple of weeks. And this week, it was a great reminder of 
a lot of meetings, a lot of big deliverables, a lot of, you know, really important things that we were trying to close out. And it was, I found myself in a very deep learning curve of feeling like I was in an intense situation. It was very dynamic, but I felt myself being stretched and challenged. And I think sometimes it was a reminder that when we talk about challenges, we often talk about it through the lens of a negative. Uh, if I'm dealing with something that's really hard or a conflict or something, but I was reminded that this week I was being challenged really through the lens of growing and learning something new. And it was really exciting, even if it was very intense for my week, my word, and then equally very tiring. So I'm very excited to have a weekend to kind of absorb everything that I learned and get ready for the next week. But but intense will be the word that I will I will walk away with. And I appreciate for everyone who's sharing their words in the chat as well. We we love to have that that in there and again a reminder of checking in with ourselves and seeing how things are going and again building this habit and talking about it here, but hopefully, you know, really instilling this about this this habit into your your daily practice. So with that, I'm gonna jump us in to the topic for this week. And as a reminder, two weeks ago we kicked off the series for executive presence. And we spent the first the first session really talking about what is executive presence and what does it mean and all the connotations around it, how is it defined. And what we came out of that, you know, as a walk away was there are really three critical dimensions of, of executive presence that are really guiding our sessions now. And those really are appearance, communication, and gravitas. So last week, we really dug into appearance. It's a really uh, thorny, I like that term, thorny subject. It can be pretty challenging, uh, I think, across the board, because a lot of the, the aspects of appearance can really much, very much be out of our control and really challenge a lot of the judgments and biases that might exist. But as we think about today, we're going to shift into communication. As we talk about you know, appearance being one of the aspects of executive presence, it's actually a very small aspect. And really communication and gravitas carry so much more weight in how we can really drive presence, how we can really be perceived, and what message we want to send. And this is something that came up even in our appearance conversation when we talk about communication, the art of communication, what you say, how you say it, what your personal style is. So I'm really excited to go deeper into this conversation today and talk not only about what this means, but how we as leaders really navigate this, how we embody our communication style. How do we hone that and how do we draw, again, more self-awareness and intentionality around our communication? So I'll start by really just kicking off some of the things to consider when you think about communication. And then I'll pause to really hear, you know, what you think about and some of the, the aspects that really stand out to you when you think about the art of communication around executive presence. And I think it's really important that we remember that communication is not only about what you say, but it's about how you say it. And it's really about the, uh, the idea of how do you start to take control over how you're communicating with others. Again, be more intentional and present and aware of how you communicate, because ultimately, what you choose to do in a communication forum, be it written or verbal, you have the ability to really determine how much you want, you know, how or what you want your listeners to take away, but ultimately the impression that you want to be formed, right? What your identity, what your brand is, what you stand for. And so no matter what your job title is, how senior you are or junior or how many people you manage or don't manage, you are always conveying something. You are always saying something in every forum for communication, be it an email, a hallway conversation, or a big meeting where you might be pitching something or presenting something. 
So again, this is really about how do we start to dig into and better understand the aspects of this. And I love when we go through this and, and Tamara pulled a lot of great data for us on prepping this conversation. And then last week we talked about the percentage breakdown of how senior leaders consider the importance of different aspects of, in that case, appearance. We equally have some data here on how senior leaders really think about and frame the top communication traits. So, and they thought about it with, with this gender lens, but I think even just looking at it, you know, high level, the, the ones that really stood out was this idea of superior speaking skills. This was the number one, this really ranked in the 60 percentage, the most important. The ability to command a room, this is very connected to Gravitas, which we'll do next week. Forcefulness and assertiveness, the ability to read the room, client, boss, et cetera, audience, a sense of humor and the ability to banter and body language and posture. So you can see how some of these things are very much about what we might be saying verbally, but we know that our physical attributes and how we actually present ourselves, be it right now, I'm talking, you can't see me, but I talk with my hands. So I'm using my hands frequently as I talk. And that is a way for me to communicate physically what I'm trying to convey verbally as well. And so when we think about breaking this down, it really is about starting to unpack you know, how are you connecting with your audience? How are you engaging your listeners? How long can you keep their attention? And what is the topic that you're really trying to, to get across to that audience? And these really come down to, which I loved this breakdown of analysis of what it means to really unpack speaker persuasion is really it comes down to 27% really comes down to passion. 23% comes down to voice quality. And that can be like tone of voice, pitch of voice, volume. 15% comes down to presence. And then 15% also comes down to content. Which I think is really interesting because we talk frequently about content as the number one when you're maybe putting a presentation together, but it really becomes the last piece. And it's all these other factors that can really impact how you're connecting with your audience. So I went through a lot of information. I want to pause there. I would love to hear, you know, immediate reactions. Are there things that stand out to you that might be surprising or are there things that might be missing from the framing of how we think about communication and the power of different aspects of communication and executive presence? Okay, I'll, I'll jump in. Um, you know, just, I, I think it, what I want to say here is that, you know, it, is that executive presence is really a, a, a set of qualities that, that we signal um, to, to people very clearly that we're in charge and that we deserve to be in charge. And I think there's two components. I, and one of the things that stood out, Kelly, in what we're reading here is that, you know, content, sometimes you think it's the content, right? Like we're writing copious notes and we're, you know, creating our slides. You know, some people create like 50 slides and other people create three slides. And it's about, you know, it's, it's, it's about really getting to the core of like who you are and how you walk into a room and how you present yourself. And there's two specific components around executive presence here, which is the outer component, which is what people see, right? So how you act, how you behave, you know, what you do, how you make decisions, and then communication about what you say and how you say it. You know, like how persuasive are you? And the imp impression that people are going to see is, you know, poise and posture and appearance. But there's also the inner component, um, 
which is uh, the presence that people feel when you walk in the room, when you're talking, you know, the connectivity that you have, the confidence you bring, the credibility and control that's present. And this is all interpersonal skills and, you know, how you manage your emotions, how you manage your, your attitudes and your beliefs and your philosophies, you know, because everybody has different ones in the room. Everybody has different emotions and different beliefs and different thoughts about these things. So it's about how you can be present in a way that, you know, exudes confidence and that you are in charge and, uh, but also really importantly that you're able to truly connect with your audience. And that's really what the intention should be is how do you connect with them? How do you grab their attention? How do you keep their attention? And, and also know that they know that they're going to walk away from hearing what you have to say with something that they can actually apply. I love that, Tamara. And it's also about how you make them feel, right? Oldie but goodie quote from Maya Angelou. You know, people will forget what you said, they'll forget what you did, but they'll never forget how you made them feel. Like that guides me all the time and fits right in with what you just said. So thank you for that. I'm really interested in how this changes or if it changes in crisis communication. Um, when you mentioned passion, Kelly, I was thinking about how important that is in certain circumstances and how in others you're really looking for a leader who's consistent, calm, stable, and has a plan. Um, and so I don't know if it changes depending on the situation, what people are looking for and needing. So it's just something that came to mind. Yeah, yeah. I think that's a good point, Alexis. I think last week when we when we talked about some of the executive presence, and I think we'll probably talk about it more as we go into the following week as well, is that you know, executive presence is uh, is about really having control of your emotions and having control of how you're presenting yourself, even when it, things are stressful. You know, executive presence is is not like letting all that show or maybe being a, or you don't maybe change your communication. Because, again, when you're using words and you're talking, you know, you've heard uh, what is it? The uptake part of speech, right, where people in, in the end of a of a sentence with an upbeat, which is makes it sound like a question, which then people start to go, you know, do they know what they're talking about? These types of things. So I think that it's a good point that you bring up. And I think it's a really important piece for us to keep in mind as we think about executive presence and how we uh, how we handle stress when we're when we're uh, being intentional and aware of how we're coming across. Yeah, and I think building on that, I think it is about, you know, understanding, you know, again, when we talked about a little bit last week, you know, understanding your own personal style, so that's authentic to you. And then I think, you know, being able to flex that style, but better understand. And I think it goes back to, you know, a little bit of what was in, in, the, in the list of different traits that we talked about, right? The ability to read the room, the ability to command a room, the ability to, you know, understand what what might be happening within your audience, right? What are you trying to convey to them? So even, and probably more so in a crisis situation, I think those become more important, which is understand what the, what the scenario is, what your where your audience might be coming from, what they might need from you in that moment, and how are you ensuring that you're communicating with passion, but also with clarity and with confidence, you know, what needs to happen next as a result of whatever situation might be happening. And again, it's all about, practicing and honing these skills, I think especially so that when you're in a crisis situation, it is much more natural because we all know that in crisis situations or in stress situations, it's generally human nature to fall back into your comfort zone, into the known, go back to the default of what you, how you operate, 
So the more that we can start to hone and craft and shift what our natural default setting might be for how we responded stress, the better we can be prepared to, to lead and guide our teams in those moments when we do have a crisis happening. So I'm going to Hey, Kelly before, Kelly, before you go on, I just wanted to also add, you know, because I think this is a really important part of what, you know, Alexis was talking about. It's, it's But it's about it's about having composure um, and presence of mind. And when you think of presence of mind, it's really that ability to know what's going on around you um, and know what's working and what's not. And then to be able to really pivot, right? And uh, like there's a presence of flow and pivot and a sense of, you know, what, what the audience is sensing about what's going on as well and being able to adapt according to that. Um, and, and it's, it's about, you know, like, especially if you're speaking to, to people, you're not just speaking to one person or walking down the hallway, but rather that you're able to uh, react to people in an emotionally intelligent, a socially intelligent and in an executive way. So I hope that helps. Yeah, I think that's great. I'm going to take us through, in this conversation and to kind of move us along and considering getting us to what is this and then starting to get us into how how you do this because again most of these concepts they all kind of sound great and we can nod our head and say okay yeah i get it but sometimes you know as again both individuals as we are growing and evolving and growing and developing as leaders but also developing future leaders around us it's about teaching how do you do this and we might look at people around us and say that person's a has amazing executive presence and they're a really strong communicator. How do I do that? What does that mean for me? So I'm going to introduce us to six different communication traits that that have been pulled together for this conversation. And I'll kind of go through at a high level what these traits are and talk a little bit about what, you know, some of the tips that you can leverage. But I really want to make sure I'll, as I introduce these, be thinking about is something missing from this or we're going to kind of come back to the back half of this conversation. I really want to spend time talking about how, how do you do this? As you think about your own career journey, you think about your own style as a communicator, what you do, what your practice is, you know, how do you bring that to life and share with others how you've started to hone your own communication style through this lens of executive presence. So I'll kick us off with the first one, which is really probably not surprisingly superior speaking skills. Right. And so even in this forum, and as I'm thinking about this conversation, I find myself tuning way more into what I'm saying and how I'm saying it. And that's that's a big part of why we have these conversations. But as we think about it, you know, a majority of leaders suffer from verbal shortcomings that can really impact executive presence. And it's not to say that there's one right way to communicate and it's not to, you know, be really hard on yourself about some of the things that you might do or that some of the things that you might, maybe you say, um, maybe you say, you know, which I definitely do. Maybe you pause or you stutter or whatever it is. It's really not about being hard on yourself, but it is more about understanding what you might be doing. Again, drawing more self-awareness, listening to yourself after a presentation. If you can videotape yourself, listen to yourself speak, what would you want to change? What would you want to adjust? What might be distracting from what you're trying to say? Where can you say something maybe more succinctly and really drive forward your passion and use less words potentially and really start to think about you know what are the opportunities you might have for speech training or working with a coach really starting to again hone in on evaluating your own style and where you continue to improve seek the feedback right know who you're speaking to and what you're going to talk to i think this is a really big one that will come up frequently in these traits which is 
know your content. And that's one of the biggest you know, pieces of advice that I give anyone when you're preparing for a presentation or anything is know your content so well that you can talk about your content. So you're not having to read from a script. You're not having to read from slides. Those are there as reminders and nods and notes, but those are more for visual cues for the audience. You should really know your content so you can have a dialogue and that's where your passion can come through. That's where you can start to communicate, but also as Tamara hit on, you can start to flex. You can start to read the room and adapt and communicate in different ways and, and hit different messages as needed because you really know your content. And that takes us into number two, which is ability to command a room. So leaders command a room. They have great speaking skills, but they also have confidence. They have charisma. They get people to listen to them. So really think about what is your presence in a room? How do you show up? How do you take up space? What is your version of charisma? You know, how do you come in and really, again, command that room and really making sure that people stop and listen and pay attention. And this is where it's, again, really important to read the room around you, what's happening. It becomes even more challenging in an environment where may maybe you're on Zooms, maybe you're on virtual calls a lot. How are you picking up on what's happening around you? How are you commanding a virtual room? So when you think about what you can do here, it's really using your voice, but it's also physically, how are you presenting yourself? If you're physically in a room, planting your feet, standing up tall, taking up space, sitting squarely in a seat, you know, no slouching, no sitting back, being present, leaning forward. And again, challenging the way that you might be showing up even in virtual environments and really being able to enter that room for the place of knowledge and curiosity. And again, going back to asking those open questions. We'll hit the other few here. And then again, I'm gonna definitely shift to the room so we can have some conversation around this. So number three is forcefulness and assertiveness. So really being assertive creates a sense of confidence and competence. So really making sure that you understand that forcefulness and assertiveness does not mean that it's about just being loud or dominating the conversation. It can really be very much about a calm presence where you can be very powerful in that moment, but it's about hitting important points, really making sure that your conversation points are coming through but again, also making sure that you're remaining that, that in that confidence of that commanding room moment. So this is where, again, some of the things you can consider, right? Being direct, I mean, this is a really, I tend to be very much a direct communicator and I, I own that and generally will talk about that with people around me, but that's really about sharing what you're trying to say as clearly as possible, but also paying attention to what's happening around you. Again, physicality, body posture, making sure that you're, using controlled and reinforced hand gestures to kind of, again, can communicate your message both physically and verbally, and really make sure that you're paying attention to, again, the physicality of, you know, where you might be fidgeting with something or messing with a pen or doing something else. Really pay attention to what, if that's really supporting your message or is it distracting from your message. Number four is ability to read the room. I've hit this a couple times already, but it's so critical in your communication ability, and especially with executive presence, to be able to understand the sensory cues around you. Is your audience getting what you're saying? Are they engaging? Are they tuning out? What are they doing around you? And how are you adjusting based on what's happening around you? And again, it goes back to being prepared with your content, because this is a really huge concept, and I see this every day in any forum that I'm in, is really understanding how to shift what I'm saying and how I'm showing up and how I'm communicating based on what that audience might need. And that might mean going faster. That might mean slowing down. 
that might mean pausing for questions and being able to do that based on what's happening around you and not getting so narrowly focused on maybe your communication or your presentation or whatever it is that you might be referencing in that forum. So again, make sure that you're paying attention to it. We'll talk more about, and I would love to hear from the group how you do this. Number five is sense of humor and ability to banter. We talked a lot about this last week um, with Mako, and he has a very much a sense of humor and a style that he conveys and, and knowing him and seeing his presentations, this is very authentic to who he is. But there is a moment I think that's important here about diffusing tension. Sometimes, you know, adding that little bit of a personal touch, that banter, you know, talking to the group, you know, adding a personal story or a personal touch or humor, if that feels natural to you, can really help better connect and build that trust with your audience. So, you know, pay attention to what you're saying and how you're saying it. And of course, you know, use, use humor and good taste. But this is where, you, again, you can really connect with individuals on a personal level. And it's really even as simple as before the start of a conversation or a presentation, connecting with your room, talking about maybe a TV show or what people did on a weekend or a sporting event. Connect with people on a human level is really important and a great way to diffuse any stress or tension or anxiety in a room. And last, we've hit multiple times, but I'll call it out specifically, body language and posture. It really is about paying attention to not only the, you know, what you're saying verbally, but the physical cues. What, is, what are your facial expressions? What are your hand gestures? What is your body saying? Again, are you taking up room? Are you shrinking back? Paying attention to all of these things is really important. And also making sure that you're paying attention to where you're making eye contact. Are you leaning in and connecting with your audience? Or are you looking away? And, and what message might that be sending to your audience? So really pay attention to what you're doing and how you're showing up. And again, how your audience might be receiving or, re, or reconnecting with you in those, in those aspects. So I went through a ton of information really fast there, but I think these are really, really fantastic grounding traits that we can really drive our conversation around. And what I would love to spend the next 30 minutes of our time together is, you know, number one, are there, are there aspects missing from here? Are there things that stood out to you? But I would really love to understand as you think about this in your own communication style as a leader, how do you do this? What is your practice? How do you pay attention to your own style? And how do you hone and refine and adjust your style as you continue to grow potentially in your career at different levels or moving through different teams? I love so much of what you said. And also, I, I love this idea of like, you have to know yourself. I'm a you know person as well, which I didn't know until I was a classroom teacher and students were um, actually making fun of me and being me. Um, but the, the other piece here that I wonder about is when we think about our leadership and areas that maybe we cannot control again, and whether that is things like, I'll say the word resting bitch face, um, or someone like me who can't really stand or do the physical step, I have found that it's best to own it and be upfront about it with people. And I'm curious if others have kind of noticed things about themselves that either they weren't able to change or that, that um, kind of getting out in front of it that way was helpful. I mean, I'll chime in with something that I probably do have the ability to change and maybe at some point I will, and it's a slightly different lens. Uh, Tamara will know exactly probably what I'm gonna say. I tend to be a very fast communicator. And it's something that I pay attention to, but I know that it's something that I do. And often what I will do very much, Alexis, what you just said, 
if I'm going into a meeting where I know I have to communicate a lot of information, I will own up front that I am a fast communicator. So if anybody has a question or needs me to slow down or wants to interrupt to add something, to please not feel, you know, feel free to do that. And it's kind of opening with acknowledging my style. And if someone is feeling like they don't want to interrupt me, I'm giving them permission. So if they want me to go back and, and repeat something, or if they want me to slow down and spend time on a specific topic that I'm giving them permission immediately in the room to interrupt, raise their hand or ask questions and not feel like they have to wait until I'm done with my entire presentation. So it's a very small piece and it's something that I do spend time thinking about and trying to work on. And I find myself just even reminding myself to stop and breathe or take a beat. But I have, to your point, definitely owned it at the front of meetings to make sure people understand that it's okay to interrupt me or tell me to go back and repeat something. Yeah, I, I can relate to that. I, Kelly, we're, we're both fast thinkers and fast talkers, but I would say also a lot of the way that we're talking about this executive presence right now is in terms of standing, uh, you know, standing in front of a group of people and talking, commanding a room, et cetera. But it, I'm also um, curious uh, to know about if anyone has thoughts also about your executive presence from um, an audience perspective. You know, I, I can think of times, many times, there's a couple of things that come to mind when I think about this. You know, like I've heard, I've, I've read that, you know, and I, and I really try to practice it is, you know, people walk in there and they put their phone on the, on the table or wherever they're, they're sitting. I'm thinking like, if you're in a, if you're in a, a big, a big meeting and everybody's got their phone sitting on the table, you know, it kind of is a, to me, that is a, a demonstration of distraction. Like you're watching your phone, you're looking at your phone, your phone may ring. I I will always try to put my phone away. Like I'm present in that room. I want to show I'm present in that room. I've seen people that tend to, you know, like as Kelly said, flip the pin, like they're, they run their, their, there's a physician I worked with that used to, she'd run it through her fingers, like back and forth through her fingers, like little things like that, that can be distractions or almost come across as though you're either, uh, not engaged, maybe uh, distracted, you know, stressed, whatever that may be. But I think it's important to look at this from both um, a perspective of presenting or speaking to a group of people or anyone, anyone for that matter. It doesn't have to be a group of people. It could be one person, but also how you how you show up from an executive presence perspective when you're sitting in the audience yourself. Thoughts around that? I actually love that you hit on that and I'll, I'll hit this real quick and then I'll pass it to Bernice because I think what I have noticed with some of the leaders that I look at and, and we think about right, observe executives around you, what are they doing? I think you're absolutely right, Sam, are the ones that are incredibly distracted. Number one, it sends a message. If I'm presenting to an executive that is looking at their phone or fidgeting, it's telling me that they're not engaged with what I'm saying. And so I'm acutely aware of that. So I think as we now put ourselves as executives in that in that audience, how are we showing that we are engaged? And one of the things I've noticed that I've seen with executives that really resonates is exactly what you said, phone goes away, no laptops, they use a notebook. And they will take notes in a notebook and it says something that says I think a very powerful message of being very present and showing up in that moment and being engaged with the conversation and what's happening in that room. So I always kind of pay attention to those small cues as well and try to make sure that I'm paying attention to how I am showing up in that audience as well. 
Yeah, I, I really love that. I just wanted to add, that's one of the things that I do when I'm speaking, you know, to big groups and I'm, I'm losing confidence in myself is locking my eyes to somebody that I see that is engaged. So I know at least somebody's listening, somebody's paying attention. And even though I try to look around, make eye contact, I try to keep on going to that person that is, is you know, has his, her eyes on me. So that, that gives me the confidence back that I need. One of the things I remember also, and this, this happened with Courtney. Courtney, you might not even be aware. You were back at Nike at the time. I was going to, in a monthly business review, you were uh, the executive listening to that review. And I was completely nervous. Like I, I had I had been pulled into that monthly business review out of nowhere because the tech lead was not available and I was the project manager at the time. So I was due to give the update, but I was, I don't know if Courtney was able to read it on my face. I don't know what happened, but she winked at me and I was like, oh, you know, it felt really good in the sense that I know she, it, it just released the pressure. So I, I always look for those people that I trust that might be in the audience, or like I said, people that are already listening and engaged to get me the confidence back when I feel I'm losing it. I love that so much. And again, I, I think it's such a fantastic reminder. And again, Tamara, really great point to bring up that it's not only honing our craft as communicators who might be in the front of the room or, or in whatever forum, but it's also, again, the smallest things can have a very positive impact as an audience member. And I love, Bernice, what you said, even just also when you find that you're getting nervous, find someone in the room that is your safe person or that's connecting with you, that's going to give you that confidence boost. Because we've talked about it before, and I remind people all the time that you don't reach some level in your career where you no longer have any nerves or get you know nervous or anxious about a presentation as the stakes get higher sometimes their you know their pressure might be higher and it's not about never getting nervous again that's not a real thing it's about better managing those nerves and how do you handle it and what are the tools and tips and tricks that you find to be able to navigate that and still show up and be able to effectively communicate and I'm going to add to that, you know, we always like to, Kelly and I try to intentionally draw things back to, draw some of these conversations back to other content we've talked about. And, you know, there's executive presence, but there's also, to Bernice's point, you know, as executives sitting in a room with somebody who comes in, who's presenting, I think it's important. It goes back to, you know, the multiplier leader, the, the leaders that are present, aware, and are helping others to grow as well. Uh, I think that's another really important part of executive presence is also knowing, like knowing that somebody maybe is feeling uncomfortable and trying to give them that wink or that re reassurance um, or after, you know, the, the meeting, you know, letting them know they did a great job or giving them some tips. You know, that's the other part of, of the or the other side of, you know, executive presence is also how you lead people and how you support people and how you give them safe space and and, you know, and how you. Um, uh, you know, how we start to, to influence culture. It's modeling. I mean, what, what I just heard was a story of, of affirming someone, but also like modeling the behaviors that you hope leaders who follow in your footsteps will take on. And I think that speaks a little bit also, you know, whether it's winking at someone to make them feel welcome and, and show that you are confident in them, but also like Tamara, what you're saying about putting phones down. Like if you're a leader and someone's coming in to have a conversation with you, can you model the behavior that you seek and say, okay, I want to be distraction free. And again, being upfront and clear, I think is, is helpful.
Yeah, I just want to um, add to that a little bit. I, I've gone through, I have seen a coach to help sort of build my authentic voice. I have gone to training to work on uh, my, my verbal communications, um, speaking skills, etc. cetera. Um, and, um, but yeah, I just want to sort of touch on, you know, the one um, body language. And I think that was a terrific example, again, of sort of how like Courtney had an executive presence without actually saying anything in the room, which is kind of cool. And I, that's kind of a question I have is how do you, uh, we've been talking about, you know, what we're saying um, quite a bit, but how do we also, you know, command a presence without saying a word sometimes. And, and I think there's also sort of the flip side of this is listening skills and active listening skills are really important to um, commanding a presence as a leader. Yeah, I would love to know if anybody has any additional, you know, notes on what you do as a as an executive in that room. Yeah, I love the 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 example again of of you know how Courtney showed up, or again putting your phone away, or as I mentioned, putting electronics away. Sometimes it's very very easy. I work in technology. It's incredibly easy to want to bring a laptop and take notes electronically. It's very natural, but the the outcome of sometimes what ends up happening. Is it, is it becoming a distraction? Because now you're connected to all of the different communication channels that exist electronically. And so it's immediately a distraction. So the power of just putting everything away and bringing a notebook. Um, I think the other piece, and I would love to know folks' thoughts on this too. I, I brought up before being in an electronic for, you know, forum. This is, I think, a huge shift that happened, especially with the pandemic. I think it was more common in, in technology roles, but I found it was a huge normalizer. Uh, that everyone had to show up on a screen. Didn't matter if you, you were no longer the executive in a big conference room with 20 people and only five people were on the screen. Now we're all on a screen and it can really shift the dynamic because now I know from, from personal experience, if I'm in a meeting like that, I sometimes can't even see everybody in the meeting because I have to click over into multiple screens to look around. I do make it a conscious effort to do that. I will check and see what's happening and how people are engaging. I will pay attention if someone's unmuting. I will pay attention to what they might be doing. Um, but even then, I think as an executive, you know, back to the point of, of what you, Chuck's question, how do you do this as an executive? I think it is those moments of making sure that you're smiling, making sure that you're, you know, making eye contact or you're looking up or you're engaged, if even if it's on a screen, that you're showing that you're leaning in and you're engaged to reinforce and provide the confidence to the group that's there. I also find that it's important to if it's in a if it's a potentially a, a big presentation, for example, you know, be one of the people in the room that that asks the questions or you know reaffirms and reinforces a concept. I think that can also really help and uh, how we show up and how we can again reinforce our presence in the room. And I think back to Lex's point, model behavior. But I would love to know any other tips or tricks folks have on on how we as executives can also show up in that more audience audience category as well. Kelly, I loved what you said about smiling. It's like, I'm always like, smiling is free. Um, and I think sometimes people think that it means you're not being serious, but it can be welcoming, especially in this situation where we're all on video and screens. It's like a smile can create a dynamic that puts people in a position where they feel just more comfortable with whatever is going on in the setting. And obviously there's a time and a place to be serious and maybe that is not the right dynamic and it could be situational, but I'm telling you my experience that is like the exception. 
versus if you show up with the energy that creates this welcoming kind of safe space, I just feel like it, it, it optimizes the learning opportunity for everybody involved. I agree with you on that one too, Courtney. It really resonates with me as well. I mean, you know, you have, you know, a smile, full teeth on smile, and then there's also just the turn up the corners of your mouth to, you know, to which, which can really exude you're, that you're engaged as well. So I really appreciate that. But I was going to, I love this whole concept of, of virtual. And as I sit here and contemplate the virtual forum versus, you know, the in, the, the in, in person, um, forums. Uh, It's fascinating. But I think that what's resonating with me is kind of going back to from a from a presentation perspective is how you you have like literally a split second to, to, you know, how you come out of the gate, you know, starting a, a presentation that you have to really, truly grab the attention of your of your audience to keep them engaged and, and, and get them on the edge of their seat. And, and so first of all, maybe that, you know, you, you share a really great story or you have some you know piece of humor or something that, that catches their, their attention, but how do you, how do you keep their attention? And I, I, I you know, one of those, one of the ways to do that sometimes is number one, getting them engaged, but you, and then using silence or pauses, you know, to, to keep them like, like waiting for the next thing that you're going to say, but it's, uh, again, it's fascinating, this whole virtual thing. And I, and I, and I, I want to just tap into that a little bit more in terms of myself, you know, coming into meetings, how many meetings do we come into where people are talking about stuff that is, that could easily be communicated in an email or in some other way. And and we're all busy and we're all sitting in there. It's so easy to become uh, distracted. So from a, from a, leadership perspective, you know, in executive presence is, you know, engaging and getting cued in and, and, and doing all the things we're talking about. But at the same time, like, how do we, how do we, uh, from a high level of, a, of, of consciousness and awareness, when we're actually presenting, make it meaningful for the audience that, you know, that we merit their attention and their respect. So just some thoughts I have there. I, I yeah, think I on the book, I'll go for it, I, I was just going to add on the virtual side, um, at, w- when you're in a meeting, don't assume people are just looking at the speaker. Um, you know, with Zoom, you can fix on any window. And often I'll, I'll go and look at who's the decision maker here. Let's just watch them, watch their body posture as they're listening to the presentation, what's resonating, what's not. So, you know, you're probably being watched even if you're not talking. That's a really, really good reminder. And I, I think that again, it's, it's again, paying attention. And I think as leaders, we always have to make sure that we do understand that, right. That, that people are always watching us and they're always looking at, again, back to what behavior are we modeling? How are we showing up? What are we demonstrating? What are, what are we saying with our, you know, verbal and our physical cues? What are we communicating to that audience? And I think it's really interesting, you know, what Alexis, you put in the, in the, in the chat about, is it appropriate to have screens uh, or cameras off? I think this is a really, really hard one because I think we've, we've now over-indexed because so many, and I'll, and I'll speak to my industry, we're, we're really on Zoom quite frequently. That is now the norm. It's not an exception. And often when folks have their screens off, it can, or cameras off, it can send a message that they're not engaged or they're not paying attention. But there's a lot of reasons that someone may need to have their camera off. So what I've done, at least within my group, is 
generally, you know, we have big meetings and everyone will have their camera on. I will not, unless I'm, you know, making a joke with someone I'm very close with at a small forum, I won't call anybody out for having their camera off. Um, we kind of let them self, self-select. I have found though that I have, it goes back to a previous comment that I made. I have found that as an executive though, it is really important to also give people permission to turn their cameras off. I am a believer that Zoom fatigue is a real thing and that sometimes it's actually better. And I, I think I brought this up in an earlier uh, conversation that sometimes it's actually more beneficial for us to be able to process and consider content and think of new ideas with our cameras off because it allows us to do what we naturally do, which is physically we don't stare at each other constantly when we're talking that is not culturally acceptable. We look off, we look into the distance, we might look off somewhere else. And what it's doing is giving our brain a break from staring realistically at ourselves on screen, which is what happens quite frequently, or others. So I think it's about giving people permission to say, it's okay to have your camera off as you're going through this content and get comfortable that you may also now start to lose some of those cues you might want to read. But again, really creating those pauses and other ways of checking in with your audience on how the content might be resonating with them. By the way, there's some really good um, conversations going on on the chat around um, executive presence and the differences between women and men. Anything in particular, Chuck or um, or Alexis, that you're seeing there that you want to bring forward? I think it's. I think there's just good conversation about how women may be more apologetic or use the the female disclaimer of "I'm not sure if this is this makes sense" or whatever, but. Um, and Courtney was mentioning that like it's about n note that you're doing it and intentionally make that change. And so I think that's an interesting piece. And there was a, Bernice, you can, I think you wrote about um, a TED talk that really highlighted this. And it's true. And it starts young. I used to correct female students and say, uh-uh, you don't have to say that. You do know. Um, it's ingrained. Yeah, and, and so I, I kind of want to shift us in our last few minutes before we close down. But Kelly, this is something you and I have talked about a, a couple of times. I want to bring it out in this communication piece um, in this executive presence uh, conversation. Is and, and I think it's real important to think about also the, the idea of uh, conceive, conceiving an executive identity, right? So, you know, executive presence is one thing, but, you know, Kelly and I have talked about this. Like if you're if you are, you know, at one level and you're shooting to go to the next level, um, you know, you you have you have to kind of like step into that other level as you uh, with your executive presence. You've got to start seeing yourself in that. Like, what are you or what are you imagining? How are you designing yourself to become what, what you're what you're shooting for? Maybe you want to move up to the next level or two two levels above. And that you've got to believe that you have that executive presence and have that executive identity. You've got to start stepping into it and um, and exhibiting that in what you do. I mean, that's that's a really important piece to remember. And I want to kind of open up this part of the of the conversation because I think it's a really important piece to to talk about and to think about as we talk about this. Any thoughts around that? Well, I'll chime in really quickly because I, again, I, I we talk about it a lot, and I think it's a really it's a really big point. And one one specific aspect that I'll bring forward, which I would I would love folks' thoughts on, is we're talking a lot about 
verbal communication, right? And physical cues. And I love the, the conversation in the chat about paying attention to language, what might be ingrained where you need to remove some language that might be undercutting, right? Or diminishing your, your ability or, or what you have to say. And, and again, your ability to show up with confidence and command that room. But I also think we can't underestimate the value and importance of adjusting your written communication style as well. I find quite frequently that's something that no one spends time on. Um, but again, even if you just start paying attention to how does a, how does a leader at a specific level communicate uh, in, in email form, I'll use that. And I think what you'll find is it's much shorter, much more succinct, much more clear, much more directive, more than likely. And so I have found throughout my career, you know, being at different levels that I have had to really hone my writing to make sure that I'm adjusting based on, again, what my audience needs and who I'm writing to. And also, again, how it might be reflecting on, you know, how I'm showing up as a leader as well, where I used to be, if I, early in my career as a project manager, I was writing longer emails because my job was really about communicating status updates and trying to, you know, include a lot of information about what was happening. But as I've, as I've grown in my career and, and reached certain levels, I've found that I have to really make sure that my editing is there, that I'm really asking, is every word that I'm using in this email important? But also equally, back to the point of language we have to remove, I still really work on, and I know I have progress to make, of removing specific language from my writing, like being almost apologetic. And I just would like to, if you can just... I'm writing just to get this. It's removing some of that language that can be apologetic instead of just being direct and assertive with this is what I'm trying to communicate to you as cleanly and clearly as possible. And that's another piece that I think sometimes gets missed when we really talk about, you know, communication and executive presence. Kelly, I think you could do like two one hour weekend sessions just on how to communicate in written form. It's, it's so tough. Yeah, I would agree. It really is hard and it's a very elusive one. And I have found often quite frequently, I very much work with my teams to try to teach them about written communication and how to do that effectively. And, and style is very much a part of it too. But again, I would love if anybody has other thoughts on what, you know, what Tamara was saying about really understanding, you know, stepping into the role that you're, you're trying to achieve potentially, how do you embody that? But also if you have any thoughts about you know, immediately on, you know, even this aspect of, of written communication as we really focused a lot on verbal uh, and presentation and physical cues from a presentation format. Okay, well, just continue to process as I, you know, we, we know that everybody in here is, is really, you know, processing the information and um, again, just kind of, as we start to kind of wrap up things here and come to a conclusion, you know, I, I just want to kind of try to recap and summarize that, you know, you know, our executive presence, you know, in terms of communications, really our ability to go really deep into the domains of our knowledge and really trying to get our point across persuasively, connecting with our audience, being able to pivot, pivot and adapt and know what's going on around us. And um, to do this all in a really understandable way um, that gets buy-in from the audience. And so, you know, as we think about this, you know, there's some really practical steps that you can take. And there's a lot of content under each of these, which a lot of we've, we've covered. But, you know, just thinking about command, uh, communicating with authority 
you know, mastering your communication skills and really commanding that room. And then also number two would be, you know, connect to build trust because trust is a real foundational piece, right? This is how people open up to you. This is how people, you know, believe that you have, um, that, you know, you, you, you should have their respect, that you deserve their respect and um, that you're serious, that you're present, you know, that you're there for them, that you're talking to them and that you're dialoguing, that you're comfortable and that you see them as an equal and a colleague. And then number three would be really, you know, conducting through poise, really how you act, having composure, having a presence of mind, again, going back into that adaptability to be able to read a room, to be able to adjust, you know, you think about standing on it. If you were standing on a stage and everybody was disconnected, maybe you're going to pull your chair down and sit right in front of them, you know, just being able to pivot based upon what's going on. And then um, number four would be really creating that polished image, right? Exuding confidence, you know, creating an assurance that you know what you're talking about and that you understand the context of the environment that you're in and that you're really optimizing it, that you're really optimizing um, what you do and what you have. It's not really about, you know, what you weigh or what clothes you're wearing. It's really more about the image that you're portraying. And then number five is really about conceiving that executive identity, right? Like thinking about how you want to come across. If you're trying to, if you want to really move up, you would want to step into that, step into that space right away. It's going to be uncomfortable, but step into it and start to um, get comfortable with how, how that looks and how you want to come across. Um, so, you know, a lot of people live in their, live their lives by default. And, you know, default is really, you know, we all kind of, you know, live based upon the influence of others around us, you know, whoever raised us or, you know, the environments we've been in in the corporate world, et cetera, you know, and this is an opportunity for us to really live by design, really become the person that we want to be, the leader that we want to be, you know, who, you know, it's thinking about what we want to look like, you know, how we want to show up and what kind of, what is our presence going to look like? You know, how are we going to speak? How do we want to sound? You know, how are people going to perceive us? How are we going to perceive ourselves and how are we going to start building our own executive presence? You know, what steps are we going to take? And I want, you know, just kind of think about that over the coming week. You know, how are you going to check yourself or check in with yourself on your own executive presence and what types of changes might you make? So on that note, um, I'm going to close this out with a leadership quote. Leadership is about making others better as a result of your presence and making sure that impact lasts in your absence. And that's from Sheryl Sandberg. Uh, this was a great conversation. We appreciate the engagement and appreciate everyone being here on a Saturday morning and investing in yourself. It's really important. That's an important part of leadership is investing in yourself consistently and continuing to be open to growing and um, being the best that you can be. So um, I hope you all have a great week and we'll see you back next week for another continuation of Executive Presence around Gavitas. Thank you, everyone. Have a great weekend. Thank you. Thanks, everybody. Bye. Have a great weekend, everyone. Have a good weekend.